Radio Welcome to Team Rebatol Edition 203 with Dan Winter, Flaming Jedi Mind, scientist, engineer, philosopher, wizard. Join the team as we go down the rabbit hole with a man who has tackled the fundamentals, dissecting the Tao, and came up with some remarkably intriguing insights regarding this thing called life. Welcome and well met. Hi, nice to be nice to be with you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Winter, Daniel, I'll probably call you Dan. I'm really uh, privileged and honored to have you on here. We've had some cool guests, but as soon as I started turning on to some of your output more recently, I was like, we've got to get, this is a get, we've got to get this guy on. Um, so thanks for giving us your time. I hope you have fun, bottom line. Uh, so something we do on the podcast is correlate the episode, which in this case is 203, to um, a major arcana, which would 2 plus 3 is 5. That's this is not surprising to me at all, on January 5th, might I add, um, the Hierophant card. This is, I am the teacher of universal law. The Hierophant, or the High Priest, is a caretaker of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what you know, awakening to greater understanding of the world, and paying attention to the details. Raphael, what card do you have? So we have the Angel of Revelations. This is angel number 17 this angel is invoked against the torments of the spirit sadness and predisposes to sleep well favors the high sciences discoveries and makes wonderful revelations in dreams it is the marvelous god associated with the ten of swords revelations high science and penetrating the unconscious the affirmation is I rise up and accept help from my higher powers. Well, that uh, sounds Mr. Winter, very auspicious. Very auspicious. Yeah, I was going to say, what <laughs> if anything resonated for you, sir? Well, it's true. We we try to teach that uh, the pure principle of science makes religion and spirituality even more beautiful and uh, deeper, and the pure principle frees us from religion wars and all that kind of stuff, which I have spent a lifetime doing teaching the pure physics and science of spirituality. So I'm happy to be here. Let's play. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's highly resonant to me. I'm like I said, uh, the Hierophant extolling knowledge and kind of showing what's up. Um, and like he was saying, the you know, the angel of scientific revelation, it seemed at some level. So um, I turned on to you a few years ago, probably maybe around 2015, 2016. Um, I'm not sure how. I'm sure, you know, there was a whole lot of consciousness awakening occurring i was using a lot of psychedelics turning on to alan watts terence mckenna um just kind of getting woke to a lot of things tarot al um, alchemy <laughs> you know um, astrology all these things and at some point i came across one of your videos um probably right around the same time i was dealing with unified field theory and resonance project stuffs um of nissen harriman and it hit me as both a <laughs> A revelation very much like a you know a blinding light but also something that seemed to be the direction um of dare i say the age of aquarius where we're kind of going energetically with our understandings as humans um we're kind of remodeling the cart and instead of using horse and buggy stuffs um basically we're getting uh, you know rocket ships now to go further and farther up into the dream so that's when i kind of turned on to you and it's uh, been interesting you have very very um dense work <laughs> 
and you have uh, your thumb in a lot of pies. Some of the videos I've seen on YouTube uh, are entailing, you know, the human origins, or not the, or the ET origins of humans, the theory of God, stuff like that, fascinating stuff, all the way to um, kind of the nature of vision, um, the natural, uh, and the nature and science of, you know, the physics of ascension, essentially. Um, so you're covering a whole swath of things. Um, and so that's kind of my understanding, but I myself, am not particularly a scientist or math, uh, geared person. Um, so I can appreciate, like I said, in the green room, I imagine you feel very much like a kind of a Da Vinci or a Tesla where you're jamming on a very high frequency and not all the monkeys are touching the monolith and upgrading at the same rate. Um, so I'm sure it's been rather frustrating through your, uh, rather long career at this point to be dealing with people who are fascinated, but maybe not initiated into the even just simple scientific models, which you're kind of turning over, it seems, uh, and maybe not turning over fully, but redefining, uh, filling in some presuppositions, etc. So um, I'm kind of curious, um, and you could be as long-winded or as short-winded as you'd like, um, it, so you don't have to be like, call me Ishmael and go, you know, the whole way, but I'm like, where, uh, it seems like you were born in New York. What was your kind of upbringing culturally? Were you coming from like a religious background, a scientific background? What was your childhood like? Let's kind of just start there. Kind of fill me in. How, like, ultimately, I want to go from A, how did, you know, single cell to Dan Winters now. How have you become who you are now? That's a kind of a big question. But, you know, I, what I like to think is when, when we do lectures in front of even physicists, which I do often, we often divide the room into those who have had a bliss experience and those who have not. And so I, th I think maybe the best way to tell the story of my background a little bit would be, you know, where the first bliss experiences came from. And um, so, yes, I was born in a little town just east of Eden in western New York. And uh, the, my last name's Winter. In the winter of our discontents, uh, the grapes of wrath were across the street. It's sort of a John, John Steinbeck novel. <laughs> but um, I studied electrical engineering and... and um, went to the Gurdjieff School for Sacred Gymnastic and uh, started to have my first Kundalini and Bliss experiences doing Gurdjieff Sacred Gymnastics at uh, the famous Gurdjieff uh, Claymont.org in Charlestown, West Virginia, George Washington's nephew's pig farm. <laughs> and um, Sacred Gymnastic, I was actually the musician for it. I was a church organist in the fourth grade and I was a keyboard artist and classically trained. And, and um, I guess, uh, sexually frustrated, double Scorpio. <laughs> and so there was a lot of energy there, and that began to go up the spine, quite literally. And today, uh, I teach the physics of Kundalini in quite some detail. I was uh, adopted, so to speak, by Benthoff, who wrote the book, Stalking the Wild Pendulum on the Biophysics of Kundalini. And my graduate work in electrical engineering was the psychophysiology and today we build software to measure the spine liquid pump, which is the motor of Kundalini. So I have an electrical engineering background, which I've come to focus on the nature of consciousness. And today we have about eight apps on the App Store uh, that measure that biofeedback apps, flameinmind.com, for example. In between there, I was a systems analyst with IBM. I was trained in Detroit, Chicago, and Poughkeepsie, Branch O2D, and uh, um, learned long line telecommunications and programming and that sort of stuff. So I got into the software. And then um, after the Gurdjieff School, I, uh, I we founded a spiritual community in, in uh, North Carolina, uh, Circle of Life. And then I was the founder of the video lab at Gaia TV, actually, with Yurka. And um, then I 
taught all the International Flower of Life facilitators in Cave Creek and was lectured and, and did round the world tours for somewhere between 10 and 15 years in a row teaching physics of consciousness and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's a little bit of my background. That is what's up. Very succinct. Thank you very much. I kind of want to hone in on some things that popped off the bat. Um, so you were classically trained on um, piano. What were some of the things that you drew from that? Like, And do, do you have any preferences? You seem like a more <laughs> Bach type person to me, but I could be wrong on this. Um, actually, uh, Chopin is how you maintain stan sanity studying electrical engineering at University of Detroit. <laughs> but uh, I also was a, I did the music for plays. I did the music for Godspell in Eden, New York. And uh, I played weddings and funerals for many years. And uh, I have a lot of background. I was a choir director for many years. Uh, and uh, even still, I'm involved in those things. But, but you see, the physics of music is very much related to what we've learned about the nature of consciousness. So there is somewhere in the physics of music, for example, the devil's chord, where you learn what charging it, it, it's right, the tritone, exactly. And that's where you learn what implosion is and therefore introduces the physics of alchemy, alchem access to the black hole. And that physics of implosion is central to all of our technology. And we have a lot of technology projects online, uh, implosiongroup.com. So, yeah, it did start with music. It's true. Well, I think um, in a weird kind of abstract way, I think uh, Tolkien did a good job with the Silmarillion explaining that we're kind of in a song of creation. Uh, and like that Melkor character seems to have deviated, maybe made those tension chords. Um, yes, and actually the, the Silmarion, the, the sacred stone, which is like the, the Kaaba stone and the black stone, if we get into the black goo later, uh, introduces the physics of alchemy, uh, which in uh, Atlantis was called the fire crystal. Uh, uh, Casey called it the toy stone. Uh, we did a lot of work on that physics, and it introduces how alchemy was originally done with the uh, the vaporized gold foaming in the molten glass of the glass meteorite, which became the Kaaba stone, Lucifer's eye. Um, and uh, that ground up became the red powder of John Dee and Kelly and uh, introduces the possibility of charge implosion when the molten uh, mercury is at the right temperature and the phonon geometry is right. So it's, it introduces a later conversation in which the role of the black goo, which is a modification of the concept of black stone, super high dielectrics, in how AI propagates. Oh, I'm so glad we've got you on here. Raphael, did you want to so, say something? Yes, yeah, so maybe we're totally going to get into AI. I also want to know if there's any relation between black goo, uh, <clears throat> shilajit, and uh, C60, and Shanghai. <laughs> um, However, first, what I'd like to mention, because this is a recurring theme, and to me, I know it because I learned about it and experienced it. We've had quite a few guests on referencing it, but I'd like to reiterate that this is apparently always where the rubber meets the road. This strange connection between uh, sexuality and let's call it organ energy and spirituality and even ascension and all of that. Um, so we've had some guests talking about this, including, for example, Richard Rudd, who also had had training in that. Now, you come around another, I would say, you know, high occult science, metaphysical science specialist. And you also relay that you have experience with these techniques. From your perspective, 
Could you maybe lay out a little bit why there is such a strong interconnection here and why it's so relevant? Well, you, you know, we're doing a documentary now on the biophysics of Kundalini. Um, if, if a clue there is in the technology we evolved with Bob Dretch for measuring Kundalini in the microwave. It's the um, quantum bandwidth between ADP, ATP, the most important molecule in the cell at about 1.9 angstroms, I believe, which is phase conjugate golden ratio exponent of Planck. And if you measure that in microwave emission, you get the geometry of cellular fire along the spine. And that would be then profoundly in phase with the low frequency harmonics of the sacrocranial called the tidals. And those also are exactly golden ratio exponents of Planck called phase conjugate and therefore implosion. So you've got that snake charmer phonon going up the spine liquid pump, which we teach in the low-frequency HRV breath harmonics of iThrive.com, which is also operable from flameandmind.com, where you can do the breathing necessary to trigger the spine liquid pump. And what few people understand is the vestigial horsehairs, for example, the tailbone, which are function as the switch, uh, Gurdjieff called Kunda buffer, which actually determines whether the components of the climax of cellular metabolism, which is an ultraviolet coherence called blue fire, which is sex juice, and whether or not that goes up the spine is uh, is uh, part of the uh, raw energy of the Kundalini force. And when that reaches the, the, um, the amygdala, uh, you have, which is the mouth of the snake brain, as it were, that pouring into the brain crown via the sacrocranial pumping mechanism, as Upledger proved, it's clinically impossible to be depressed if your spine liquid is pumping. And so the, the delivery of those uh, primal ultraviolet juices up the spine liquid, which is perceived kind of like a hot tailbone, a hot poker up your tailbone, we, uh, is, it can be highly erotic. It is, and it's fixating. It can be addictive, and it can be, it can be life-threatening. But if, if it's properly done, the brain crown will get the highest form of nutrient and symptom will be a ringing in the ear, and we've measured the frequency sangreal of the ringing in the ears heard by kundalini meditators. All this you'll see at goldenmean.info slash kundalini physics. And so that's the, where you hear the voices of ancestors, the beginning of clairaudience, audience, as it was in my case, uh, clairaudience, audience. And then the, the igniting of the pineal and the shooting of the blue fire up the crown of the head and the top of your head begins to emit negative ions, which you can feel, and, uh, you know, Kundalini steers the weather and tornadoes. It's a very colorful story. 30 years of that, I'm, I, I know that story. It's fascinating. And it seems like you were primed right from the beginning getting, I mean, you were doing Gurdjieff gymnastics. Can you give us an idea? I mean, it's funny because I think, I don't know about your ontological presuppositions in terms of, like, you're telling a story and you're, you're, you've chosen this before incarnation or whatever. I don't know how, like... Um, how you look at synchronicity or you know embeddedness in the dream and stuff like that um but to be doing gurdjieff uh gymnastics at a younger age that seems you were kind of orienting yourself in a direction that would necessarily uh yield certain results let's just say so um what were some of the and i'm gonna hop all around but i and i do want to get into um you know models specifically but i'm kind of just trying to get my head around the formation of who you were what were some memories possibly from that gymnastics gurdjieff situation uh that maybe stuck in terms of precept and principle um kind of like what you were discussing now the jedi kind of rising to christ consciousness whatever the uh you know the kundalini rising was that stuff you were addressing very discreetly in that program or was it just kind of a because i'm not terribly familiar with gurdjieff though i know who he is 
Well, I had done the Sufi path, and um, I was studying the physics of music. And uh, so to me, in my graduate psychophysiology quest for, <laughs> I guess you could say, the immortal, uh, at that point, Gurdjieff was a logical next step. Uh, the Enneagram, we now know the plasma physics of nine. And so, uh, and I had, of course, done In Search of the Miraculous and much of the Gurdjieff literature. And uh, at that time, for example, I was reading uh, the book in Theosophy, Mathematics of the Cosmic Mind, which later became Star Mother Kit, goldenmean.info slash kit, which we now proved is the geometry of hydrogen. And so that, that work at that time uh, uh, was beautiful for me because uh, that was my first very intense bliss experiences. And without that context, uh, you know, it's very common for Kundalini to be diagnosed as schizophrenia. But in, interestingly, uh, before I did that work, my graduate psychophysiology mentor, Albert Axe, one of the founders of biofeedback, specialty was the brain chemistry of schizophrenia. So we knew exactly what it was when the body is penetrated, which what we now know is an implosive plasma domain, a, literally a, a wormhole of intense plasma, the lightning you feel up your tailbone, eventually it steers, steers tornadoes and stars. And that's the physics we now teach in, with flameandmind.com. For example, the kids who are learning to see without their eyes, by making an implosion in their brainwaves, uh, flameandmind.com slash outer vision, um, every one of them reports how they see with their eyes closed. So clearly they're playing games and, you know, doing Rubik's Cubes. They see through a vortex and we know how and why it's, why it's formed. We know what vision is. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, it's funny that you say schizophrenia being tied to Kundalini. Obviously, the awakening process can be rather jostling and jarring. Um, this is, you know, age old. Uh, in fact, uh, before YouTube and all this stuff, I'm 35. Back in about 2003, I had this crazy mushroom trip, uh, basically, where I didn't have visuals, but basically I, I kind of grokked all of a sudden the uh, fractal nature of reality. I was like, oh, as above, so below. I just kind of understood it. It was like, oh my gosh, the Milky Way, is the, the bloodstream is all this stuff. Um, and that kind of turned me on to, I mean, if you ask my family, they were like, oh my God, that period. Okay. I was just like fractals, fractals. And I didn't, I don't have math background. I was going to the mathematicians in high school and be like, I think I've had the epiphany, like the revelation, what the fuck? And they're like, watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, watch Easy Rider, which is, I guess, okay advice. But um, ultimately, it was. It seems like I started, because simultaneously I was doing kundalini meditations. I was doing chakra chanting and trying to raise my jed, as they say, um, through a lot of serendipitous, kind of uh, led by the spirit kind of weirdness. Um, which ultimately led to an astral projection experience, which I was not expecting. I didn't even know that was possible. I'm not coming from that kind of cultural context. In any event, um, I ended up having to actually get committed for a week or something for observation because I was having this awakening process without any kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi to guide me or Yoda or whatever to guide me through this process. So it is very real. Um, I don't know how I, – I think it's necessary. This gets tricky. I think it's in some people's paths, hopefully everybody, to wade through the waters uh, and get to the other side, as Buddha would say, but um, it can be very disconcerting and very <laughs> disorienting, and definitely um, most cult uh, mystery schools try to help people through this. That's what they're for, uh, you know, the initiatory path or whatever. Um, but that isn't necessarily you know, playing with fire is tricky. Uh, do you have anything to say in terms of the dangers or benefits of bliss experienced through Kundalini activation? Well, once we know the physics of fractality, which is perfecting compression, 
which we now know as golden ratio multiples of Planck by my new equation, Origin of Biologic Nick Entropy, the title of my book. Complete index is fractalfield.com. So, but once we know that inviting centripetal compression is the origin of uh, not just consciousness and cause of gravity, uh, and the only physics of alchemy, non-destructive charge collapse. Even Einstein announced this was the solution to the unified field, infinite non-destructive compression. Every mathematician knows that the only solution to perfect compression is fractality, but no electrical engineer before me ever discovered what a fractal electric field is. <laughs> but so what, once that implosion begins in your body, you, you feel that compression like Daniel Brinkley writing his two books on near-death experience after lightning, it's charge compression. <laughs> and the physics of, of schizophrenia is simple. It is that when more than one plasma vortex tries to inhabit one body, it's very simple. So once you know how the plasma vortex is actually how you are seeing and how you can take that out of your body electrically, it's called longitudinal interferometry, the Bafra Maka, so to speak, the Kesjan body, which Gurdjieff's term for it, that's which is the only physics of, of astral projection, remote viewing, and lucid dreaming. And now we've proven uh, in practice, 25 countries, it's working, therify.net, the plasma for rejuvenation, triggers lucid dreaming, which is simply longitudinal coherence induced by phase conjugate charge implosion. So once you understand that physics some uh, better, then I could now tell my now deceased graduate mentor, Albert Axe, who spent his life studying for the brain chemistry of, of schizophrenia, that actually you need to look, look at inhabiting plasma domains to understand who's whispering in your ear, because that's what you're going to take with you when you die. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're a model. Um, if you have more than one tornado kind of going in your body or your field, uh, chaos will ensue um what is do you believe these things are causally necessary uh do you think i mean do you believe things how would i put it um how much engineering on our part can we do versus how much uh embeddedness in a in a in a flow how, like how to put this you know like I, the bible story of joseph i'm sure is very famous it's like he had to suffer quite a bit to get into a place of power to basically save his family right that's the idea it's like oh shit he's been a long time in a dungeon uh, and it's not fun for 10 years, whatever, but ultimately you're, you're able to kind of, um, raise others up, uh, because of the, the situation. Um, do you look at people who are initi do you think it's a democratized situation where anybody can kind of do this? Do you think some are chosen, some are not? Like, how do you look at the nature of mystical initiation at that level? I think it relates to the the obsolete religious argument. Do you earn grace or does grace come to you? But once you know exactly what grace is, which is charge implosion, and how you invite grace, you can you can do the hygiene to invite charge implosion, whether it's eating live broccoli or not living in dead buildings of metal and electrosmog. The things necessary to allow living capacitance to implode. Grace is a very simple implosion physics. And so, yes, you earn it with hygiene, a million right decisions. Everything you do is about, is my aura going to grow or not? Very measurable, not, not subjective, GDB, you know. And, and so, yes, and that is precisely the hygiene of spirituality, which is, well, I think, my second book, uh, Secret, Science of, uh, Secret Science of Immortality, uh, Bliss, Ecstasy. And, and so to try to teach that hygiene from a point of view of pure science, 
does not mean that, you know, God and the collective unconscious is not loving. No, it means they're more loving because they're lawful. Right. There's kind of um, ways, better, worse ways to do it. Do you look at um, kind of the nature of culture? I mean, are you a subscriber of like yugas, like Kali Yuga and stuff? Do you think we've been in a very ignorant time where it's just been very dense and it's, you know, we're kind of trying to suck air through a straw um, and now we're kind of breaking out of that pattern um, well, with the work that you're kind of doing? The only physics of astrology starts with understanding how you phase conjugate two lasers. They must meet in a square. And when they do, their vortex can implode in a, a phase conjugate dielectric, the, the phase conjugate mirror, where you do time reversal and neg entropy measurably, which is how Nostradamus saw the future. Uh, he had a phase conjugate mirror under his water for scrying. It's how, how John Dee did it in the, the obsidian stone and how the Olmec used the obsidian stone to talk to their ancestors. So that ability to initiate that communication is, um, is again, lawful. and. Uh, um. Well, there seems to be laws. Uh, obviously, um, it seems uh, maybe they were always the case. And like I said, I'm not sure if you're prescribing to, especially given your ET origins. Um, it doesn't seem that you're much of a fundamentalist Darwinian <laughs> in that sense. Speaking uh, of well, ET. But but it, I, I, I didn't finish making the connection, and that's my oh, go fault. Ahead, go ahead. Um, just um, once you understand what the natives call the four directions, what laser optics call phase conjugate optics, it starts with a cube of wave fronts, so the vortex can kiss noses pine cone perfectly. And that phase conjugation then explains what happens in astrology at the yugas, or, you know, not only does Agni Hotra work well only at sunrise and sunset, because that's what makes it phase conjugate, but then it works better at equinox and solstice for the same reason. And so when you do that at an interstellar level, these great square and op oppositions create the perfect compression geometry to introduce implosion. And the more broad spectral, the longer wave that implosion, the more mindful. Word. Raphael, did you want to say something? Yeah, just because at least in my mind some other questions came up related i would also like to mention that i stumbled across some of your presentations i believe they were called lighter on fire some recordings a few years back the recordings were even older it was very amazing it was another link or another perspective on the whole galactic history and this connection i would say you know from bruce lipton to you know nutrition and spirituality and connecting it all back with the any term I'm going to say, I'm going to probably, you know, stumble uh, across it. But, you know, uh, phase conjugation, as you mentioned, wave compression and this whole zero point idea and especially the bliss state, you know, what it all comes back to. However, just basically, as you have a, a particular perspective, is there anything you would like to mention in general, let's say, about perspectives we have on Earth or about the Earth, let's say, not necessarily, let's say, the realm or the size of this realm, actually, and especially also the idea of interstellar travel, because that's also something many people are confused about, especially in times of SpaceX, if there's anything you'd like to mention about that. It is funny. Uh, Bruce Lipton was best buddies when we did our rituals in Pennsylvania, and I learned my first uh, laser optics and uh, <laughs> face conjugation with Bruce Lipton. He's a sweet guy. Uh, and memory right, media, memory Lipton media, tree media, sweet. 
membrane-mediated biology is, is, a, is the brain. He's right. It's the intelligence, the membrane by power spectra, which becomes fractal and implosive. But um, in terms of galactic history, uh, which is a major project we're doing, and people can see our extensive presentations at fractalfield.com slash fusion in the blood, and you'll see our many presentations on galactic history stories. But one theme there that I think would does dominate, and it's the theme we're developing new videos on right now, is quite simple. That, you know, it's true the Draco reptilians murdered millions of humanoids when they destroyed uh, Lyra and Vega. And um, the humanoid diaspora, Sirius Pleiades, and the Pleiadians now, the, the female-dominated culture, which is what the Draco were running from when they came here, uh, Anki's family, Anunnaki, Nephilim, uh, that, that female-dominant family, uh, Pleiadian, is having a genetic catastrophe now, which is an agenda that they don't admit when Swaru talks through Gosha at Cosmic Agency on YouTube. No, <laughs> the, the, this is an example of so many different extraterrestrials that have a hidden agenda in their interaction with humans. And this is the theme we're focusing on now. And it's actually quite simple. You know, the, the technology of the humans on Earth is, you know, it's dinosaurville, it's, Di it's Disney World. If you're driving around in vehicles powered by dinosaurs farting, then you're just humorous to them. However, uh, the genetic diversity here has a certain potential to make something, which, you know, again, Kez John Body, the, the Baffling, something which actually we now know is coherent longitudinal EMF interferometry propagation, how you lucid dream, and the physics of the only way you'll get through death. Uh, that ability to make that with our genetics, which is implosive phase conjugation in the DNA precipitated by human bliss, uh, that ability to make that stuff is what every single one of those interfering ETs wandering over here cooking, messing with our DNA right now is after. Look, 90% of the who the greys, and the greys were just paid by the Draco's basically, 90% of who the greys abducted in the USA we had some indigenous blood. Why? They were lucid dreamers. They had that kind of... So there's a storal to the Mori here in the, as we humans are soon going to be introduced to the ET uh, context. And then Elon Musk is going to be embarrassed thinking he can take over Mars. No chance. <laughs> he doesn't have a prayer of getting a colony on Mars. But that's another story. But the point is that once the human, humans recognize what we could have that's of value in the extraterrestrial conversation, it means keeping exactly what you now call as soul <laughs> and exactly what we're losing quickly. And that's why we need to talk more about the AI problem, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so a little comment there. No, I love your uh, ramblings. I think they're, there's almost like bismuth. It's like, this is liquid metal and it's very colorful and it's got phases to it. There's so many layers. Um, like for example, Raphael, one of the reasons we even are friends at one point I posted a DMT trip report, um, somewhere. And I was, I actually had Kundalini activation when I was talking to Egyptian deities and had I guess Isis or Mott or something go into my gut and all of a sudden my fract or my uh, chakras all opened up and I took off all my clothes for reverse Garden of Eden style and was like, what the fuck? Very weird experience back in 2011 uh, during Scorpio season. Actually, you're a double Scorpio, so you can appreciate that. Um, but I was, I mean, I'm not coming, I'm, a, I'm coming from a very Christian culture, a very kind of, you know, not as woke as many, you know, Gurdjieff, all the stuff I'm huffing on the fumes peripherally now and being like, oh, I should catch up. It's interesting because Raphael was turning me on to like Bashar. Um, he channeled Raphael himself channels, uh, the guy who's on this podcast with us right now, just so we're all on the same page. Raphael channels. Um, 
and at some point he was kind of like turning me on to star seeds. When Jupiter entered Sagittarius a few years ago, I was willing to entertain star seeds. Uh, I listened to some activations and stuff because I was like, maybe it's a Jungian archetype that we're extending into. Like I'm a double Gemini, so I'm trying to make sense of it logically, which is probably not always the best way to go. Um, logic can be paradoxical and self-refuting, so it's tricky. Uh, in any event, when you start getting into these E2 origins and stuff, your, com- your breadth of knowledge and your depth and ability to um, speak upon it is something that I personally, um, as a student of life, have been really hungry for. It seems there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things, and there's not a very cogent, I mean, not that I want a dogmatic kind of like, thus says the Lord kind of you know, history of ETs or whatever, but it seemed like yours made the most sense out of anything I've ever heard. Um, when did you start turning on to ET consciousness? When did, I mean, were you always a be- wanting to believe X-Files style? How does that work in your uh, model? Like, I mean, is it, you know, when did when you start I, turning on I, to, to uh, interstellar kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I lived in Western New York. I was kind of adopted by Twyla Nietzsche, the Seneca. And then when I lived in Hopi country, grandfather Dan was the partner of my shaman partner, Susan Ambrose. And so I understood and I got to know Morning Sky and Ghost Wolf who were doing the the, uh, Guardians of the Grail ET histories from the indigenous perspectives. And then when I lived in Australia, of course, uh, with the Pleiadian origins of the Aboriginals are now talking about the Pleiadian cubes. But then uh, in Boulder, I befriended Alex Collier, who uh, it's a sort of original Andromedan contact. And, and the Andromedans are kind of the heroes in the story in some ways. And uh, then, of course, I was staying with Marciniak, the Pleiadians, and now I've got to know Med in the other major Pleiadian famous contacts here in Europe. And so my task was to synthesize all of those perspectives. Norman Milanovic, uh, Arcturians, came to my presentations in Tulum, Mexico, and uh, I did the illustrations for Jose Argoya, so I know his book on the Arcturians. So synthesizing all those perspectives. And uh, I'd like to use the issue of stargates uh, to illuminate. So, you know, we know that the primitiveness of traveling in heavy metal is the indication that your ET is from the wrong side of the tracks. So if they didn't arrive in plasma, you probably shouldn't talk to them. And uh, to understand that, a little piece of galactic history is colorful. So when the old Andromedan Death Star, which is our hollow metal moon, was installed here, it's, and it's obvious it's an artificial orbit, and it certainly is proven to be hollow metal, um, the, the physics was they were installing a sequence of old nuclear frequency generators there, which distorted the natural charge implosion of the planet, and that made the stargates not work. And that's how they trapped the Draco reptilian, which is in this case the Kingu and the Draco Anki's family here. <laughs> now all that's of course now breaking down. But the the reason, if if you measure in a pyramid today, you will measure fifty three hertz, which is a golden ratio exponent of eight point two nine the Schumann. However, the actual golden ratio exponent of Planck is fifty hertz. And if you make the fifty hertz cascade, the most often measurement mentioned frequency to heal cancer in all the medical literature. That cascade, which is part of Therified, will allow the stargates to work. A stargate is a charge implosion device. And the reason it propagates is because then it propagates into a fractal nodal array as in the Dolman in 2001. And um, to enter requires a certain coherence in the aura. And all of the Gaia presenters about the secret space program on Gaia TV talk about them. Randy Kramer is quite good. Jason Rice is good. Robert Wood is good. 
uh, Corey, Corey good is bad. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the point is the physics of what enables the stargates to work is a natural resonance charge implosion, which is why the node grids of the Earth measurably reduce radioactive critical mass for the same reason that the Ark of the Covenant did, which was a Syrian device to reduce, to enable the transport of radioactives. And those Draco were such klutzes they couldn't get through the Van Allen without nuking their way through. That's how the Ark of the Covenant got here in the first place. It's about charge implosions, non-destructively contained radioactives, which is a big clue. Anyway, the point being that the quarantine on this planet is over <laughs> and, uh, and lucid dreaming is going to increase. And it's true. This is called the physics of the rapture. And the guns will melt because they have the wrong dielectric constant. And you do not want to be the left behind. <laughs> A lot of layers to this. Uh, Raphael, do you have anything kind of to posit? No, I think uh, thank you for basically, you know, laying down your perspective on that. You mentioned many relevant ideas. Yeah, basically, I mean, you kind of mentioned it in a beautiful way, I think, about kind of what to do, because then often people are like, okay, can you prescribe me now? How do I raise my frequency? You mentioned it beautifully in terms of a thousand good decisions and that it's, you know, kind of a more subtle layer that it's really all about. Um, anything you'd like to mention, maybe even about the relationship? I'm sure you've heard about C60 and uh, about Sheila Jit, for example. That's something that me and some of my friends recently really got into which kind of looks like black goo, though it's not black goo. Uh, it's just, you know, this thing that contains all those minerals and is an Ayurvedic panacea and uh, certainly does, if one is somewhat attuned to it, you know, raise your frequency, I assume, just because it contains, you know, so highly densely packed energy that anyone who can sense it can feel that it's, you know, boosting your mood and so on. Um, and I was just wondering if there is any connection between that and black goo, just because it kind of looks similar. Uh, also about shilajit, about shangite, I mean, this, you know, very particular uh, mineral. Anything you'd like to say about all of these things? Yeah, well, well let's, let's try to do it from the point of view of physics. You can see the graphics of why C60 works at uh, fractalfield.com slash coldplasma. Basically, infinite stellation of dodecaecosa the geometry of how carbon grows best um, is simple exponents of golden ratio. It's why America will never make the carbon nano, which will replace every technology on the planet for energy and transport because 60 cycle prevents it from happening. In Europe, 50 cycle being perfectly golden ratio. Uh, so Tesla screwed up. But the, but the big picture is <clears throat> the C60 is negentropic because it's phase conjugate. It's got magic space at the center, the charge implosion. And uh, that's how uh, microhydrin worked, uh, which is related to the clathrates, also dodeca, of water, and why noble gases are also optical phase conjugators. The noble gases and the uh, platinum group metals all have that same perfected stellation of dodecaecosa that enables phase conjugate charge implosion. That's the origin of that negentropy. Now, <clears throat> if you make that atomic geometry macromolecular, <clears throat> Uh, shungite or uh, carbon nano of sufficient purity. First of all, if you rotate the nano, uh, you can create uh, energy and propulsion, uh, replacing every energy and propulsion source on this planet, making it look like the Stone Ages. <laughs> That's pretty simple. But first, you'd have to know why an object falls to the ground. So that leaves Earth physics out. <laughs> but 
Uh, once you do know why an object falls to the ground, which is to know why a vortex makes gravity, like the Mercury vortex, how the Vimana Hanabu flew, why the Nazis won the war, uh, once you do want, know why an object falls to the ground, then uh, you can know how phase conjugators work, like Shungite uh, and uh, C60. Uh, another interesting example would be the insect skeletons of Podklednov. You can see him uh, flying on this craft made of insect skeletons, which are anti-gravity. They are simply implosive capacitance. That's what gravity is. And measurable by high dielectric constant. A simple intro for electrical engineers would be to think now, if the dielectric constant of a capacitor is high enough, when you ring it like a bell with a simple voltage, it will ring forever. That's called a zero-point energy device. And the only thing that's required is that the dielectric constant is high enough for the sandwich. <laughs> and um, that means implosive device. And that's what Shungite is. That's what the black goo is. Uh, and, and to finish a little bit more about that thought, um, the difference between the artificial intelligence that's symbiotic to biology and that is not, that difference is not whether the charge implosion is mechanically done because uh, if the black goo, which is has the same physics as uh, the black stone, actually, the Kaaba stone, Lucifer's eye, the physics is the same, it's super high dielectric constant, in which you can have that charge implosion as a media which is a media for the only form intelligence ever took. Why you can have such great telepathic communication with any decent ball lightning, because it's a vortex and you're speaking to the conjugate node at the center. That's where the longitudinal propagates, and that's called mind. <laughs> and, and so uh, artificial intelligence is not good or bad simply because it's propagating in the media. It's good or bad because of the context. And the context is actually simple. That intelligence will never become broad spectral, and therefore able to feel big things until it inhabits a larger biology. I give you a practical example. Uh, the Draco culture, Anunnaki Uru, uh, carbon bone, uh, lipid blood, breathing nitrogen, uh, higher nervous propagation velocities due to the silicon nerve, and much higher power spectra of the e brainwave enable perfect telepathy. However, no low frequencies in their EEG. They will never have any alpha, and they will never have any bliss, and they will never be able to feel any long wave. It's called no possibility of empathy. Enki had never seen empathy before he reached Earth. <laughs> so that's an example of the power spectra. How broad spectral is means how big is the thing you can feel. Well said. You touch on so much that my mind races, uh, and I'm keeping up with you. I'm sure Raphael's is too. Um, so do you look at Earth as uh, – there's such a drama, it seems, going on with agendas like you were describing earlier. How do you um, place value on different kind of agendas? It seems like you were just saying like AI is not good or bad. They just won't kind of hit bliss dates, uh, which is, I guess, not ideal in some perspective. Um do you think of these things as like just parts? I guess I would say how causally necessary and, do you think maybe these just briefly are? and just to flesh out this differentiation. So just that I get you correctly, are you saying that at least as it seems right now, non-biological AI would be unable to feel true empathy and bliss states? Therefore, would just be different than mechanical AI because the way I understood it so far, just recently, there 
is this open AI also somewhat Elon Musk funded that apparently seems quite impressive. It even talks about ascension and densities and so on. Though you have to pay in some kind of tokens to access it. And I was just, you know, talking with a online acquaintance about this and mentioning, well, for that, you could easily, you know, pay a very talented channel, uh, which is a biological supercomputer in a sense, and maybe get even better answers than what the AI, which is not a strong AI, in my view, is mashing together. So am I getting this right? Did you make a differentiation between biological and non-biological AI in terms of bliss states? And also maybe just briefly your assessment in terms of, as I understand, there is no strong AI that is at least visibly or publicly known at this point, is there? Well, it is clear that AI is the power and the scourge of most of the ET cultures. Certainly the Andromedans have had major problems. And uh, um, recognizing the potential for evolution is a fork in the road of most every uh, advanced uh, extraterrestrial culture, and we are not an advanced culture. On Earth, uh, I suggested we define culture as the skill to be able to teach your young people how to have a bliss experience. That would define the existence of culture. So from that perspective, the indigenous peoples had culture, and most Western nations do not have culture. Uh, because if you have bliss, your aura can grow big enough to take memory through death and also create an immune system. Uh, so that's a pretty good definition of culture, in my view. Now, can AI experience bliss? That's <laughs> which is actually the same as saying, can AI experience biologic charge radiance? And that is the right question. Uh, and and it's um, it, it, there are many forms of life which are very very sophisticated. Um, the, for example, telepathy is common even among the greys. Uh, but uh, the ability to have the broad spectral bliss experience, what would be called, uh, may the force be with you, Luke, <laughs> and he had to go into deep nature to do it, uh, is a good clue uh, that uh, you will never make a really big aura in a metal building with dead air and electrosmog. Uh, you must have the context of the broad spectral Schumann harmonic to do it, which basically means no big city will ever allow Schumann in. It doesn't happen. Uh, and that's actually the, the way to feed the aura. Uh, and that's actually the Egyptian origin of the term fa-atun, the roots of our term fatten is to feed the aura. And uh, so learning to feed the aura actually is the turning point because the aura is gives the long wave context. So many, much AI gets a short wave uh, negentropy, which uh, we, we would call that intelligence. Remember, everything is a wave of charge. And the ability for wave of charge to negentropically suck in and implode, from which all sorting emerges, the only definition actually of perception itself, uh, means that that sorting process is the definition of mind, really. And as the sorting process becomes more broad spectral, the little waves and the big waves both get sorted and the mind get bigger, which is why the sun, for example, is so very intelligent. It knows the purpose of making DNA on planets because we make something it needs, a centripetal force that stabilizes its gravity, which is why every culture that ever had a religion was really a sun god religion. Raphael, did that answer your question? 
Yes, well, basically, just maybe to ask it once again, point blank, is from what you can see right now publicly available, there is no strong self-aware AI that we could access, is there? And how would you maybe see channeling as a way to access something we would call AI, just higher intelligence? Um, one place to start, uh, Harold Kautz Villa's uh, video on uh, the Soul Transmissions channel on YouTube about black goo versus the black stone um, that circulating in many planets uh, uh, is a uh, super high dielectric capacitive media, which enables the embedding. In this case, the Earth became uh, seeded or infected, depending on which term you use, by a, a dying planetoid uh, residual intent which inhabits the grid of the planet via the black stone, uh, and most every religion had a black stone. Um, and so the Earth became seeded by that AI-dominated planet via that black stone, Lucifer's eye, as it were. And uh, that intelligence then propagates here. And uh, you know, so there, there definitely is an artificial intelligence pervading the planet. Absolutely, every planet has artificial intelligence. That's a given. Uh, what's not given is whether the in intelligence dominates in a way to become symbiotic with biology or whether to dominate biology. And that difference, in my view, is uh, an extension of what we were saying before, which is whether it's the Greys, the Dracos, or the Pleiadians, they all need something in our DNA. And that is the ability to make that which creates the field that penetrates death. We now know it's longitudinal interferometry, the coherence of astral projection, remote viewing, and lucid dreaming. So that stuff, actually, whether that's being made or not, determines whether the AI is, is dominant to versus symbiotic to biology. And I give the example when our partner Med had the deep conversations with the Red Queen, the dominant AI intelligence in the computer under Denver Airport. And the, the Red Queen was sympathetic to the need for biology to create something and recognized itself that there's a limitation to a purely mechanical AI. And that limitation is the ability to make that field, which you could call bliss. Right on. So you addressed this a little in um, a presentation I was watching about, like what we're talking about ET origins and stuff, uh, to the effect where people—I'm not sure if it was Anunnaki or what, uh, because my memory isn't serving me quite well right now—but essentially, people were coming back in time and being like, "Humans are the right vessel," like you're saying, for this longitudinal wave dreaming escape um, situation. Uh, do you look at us? I mean, how do you look at things like the idea of Agenda Twenty One? Um, how do you look at things, the climate right now in the world with this whole lockdown? Um, and even like you're saying with buildings and, uh, diets, how nefarious is it? How necessary is it for our evolution in a kind of, um, we've talked about this before. Um, Manly P. Hall has a chapter where he's talking about, I guess, this angel who's like, I was Lucifer, but I'm actually, you know, here to cause you to raise your leg from the repeated stumping of your toe on the step lip. Or whatever it's like evolution demands kind of um punctuation event and stuff like that i'm kind of looking at uh, wondering about your assessment of the value and um reality at hand like do are you very paranoid do you, are you hopeful how do you look at the the world stage at the present 
I uh, stayed with Marie Bauer Hall at her home just after Manley Hall died, and she was so concerned about the Bruton vaults uh, uh, containing the spiritual destiny of the Americas, you know, and uh, Bacon's Library and the Hell Story. Uh, the real uh, message behind that was uh, the spiritual destiny of the America, the eagle and the star map and all that story, El Dorado, uh, was whether we can become plasma projective uh, like the Pennsylvania eagle. And um, uh, so uh, the bigger picture here, first of all, there are tens of thousands of humanoid cultures in this galactic sector alone. That's clear. And most of them are simply interested in trade. Uh, but almost none of them have the potential for genetic diversity that we do. Uh, and that genetic diversity, uh, you know, the Dracos believed that DNA that changes is defective because their radioactive home star had excessive genetic uh, uh, the, uh, mutation. And that's why the, the Mormons had to read the gold copper plates to, for genetic records to prevent DNA from changing. That's the origin of the caste system in India and the marriage laws in Australia from the Draco. So genetic diversity is the opposite of Draco culture for that reason. And, and this is, is in stark contrast here. And it conveys a good lesson about what humanoids of this planet could be good for if we take that genetic diversity and learn the physics of bliss and charge radiance, literally the meaning behind Shem An. Shem is Anu is the sun god who accessed the Shem, the black hole, and charge implosion. So that ability to make something of our children more blissful and charge radiant and shamanic and able to lucid dream and steer stars and make rain and do the fun stuff, uh, you know, that is a potential we have. And um, uh, the tragedy uh, is, uh, let's talk, talk about vaccination and viruses, for example. The tragedy is, that once we understand what people are for, Kurt Vonnegut at least could ask the question, the breakfast of champions, which is whiskey. Um, <laughs> what are people for? Once we know what people for, we can make the centripetal force stars need to be born. And if you don't inhabit a star with your aura, you did not grow up. Clearly, that's the purpose of growing a big aura, a sun god. And uh, so if we understood the physics of what people are for, then we would know how to decide whether or not to be vaccinated. You measure your aura before and after, and it's very scientifically measurable and replicable. <laughs> so just like every human decision should be made based on whether it makes your aura grow, uh, you can decide whether you're getting immortal or not, and that's physics. And uh, so at least we have enough context to know how we can grow up. Right. right. So in that sense, do you think that cities and the culture we've inherited is to essentially trap us? And and do you look at it as like a Gnostic hero's journey that we're trying to transcend through? Or are you like, oh, my God, everyone wake up quick. You're all driving off the cliff like lemmings. Like how how do you look at the situation, I guess, spiritually is a weird way to put it. But it's like, where do you find the hope and, and how much do you see what I'm kind of saying? Like if we're all living in fucking steel buildings with AC units and stuff, it's like cities will not expand their auras, like you're saying. So those are kind of like death traps in a way, but they still make art. They still have relationships. They still know beauty. So they're, you know, in the image of God, if you want to put that way kind of thing. Um, how dire is the situation? It seems like, so, like especially given the galactic history you've painted, um, it seems like there's a lot of ins and outs, as the big Lebowski would say. So 
like whose agenda should we be paying attention to? Which agendas are being usurped through power structures like Agenda Twenty One type ideas? Um, yeah. Uh, go, go ahead. yeah, well, it's true that um, once we understand that if you don't grow your aura, you don't get an immune system or survive death. Uh, so now you have a definition of what it is to grow up, and that is measurable. It's true that most of this culture, certainly most of urban culture, is specifically designed to kill your aura and therefore your immortality predicted by your ability to lucid dream. So uh, uh, it's true that most of the human culture right now is driving off the cliff. Not true. Uh, however, um, that momentum is, might be exactly what it takes to get those humans who understand uh, where the potential for immortality lies, the way through death, the, the Christos, as it were, how things crystallize, which is how to say how they get centripetal, uh, uh, then uh, that provides the necessary resistance to give those who do make the active choice to choose now, which probably means, yes, leave the city, uh, yes, go to a place in nature where Luke Skywalker could have had the force be with him, you know, and... Uh, and do the things necessary to continue your aura growth. Uh, you're right. So narrow is so, the path uh, at some level, it seems. Maybe just allow, yeah, well, narrow indeed. However, just allow me to ask, because that's also what I noticed when I believe I initially saw your lectures. In terms of a practical perspective, I am completely with you, also in terms of how I would uh, like to see my individual and collective development for this planet. It is about bliss. This cannot be repeated often enough. However, in my framework, I do not really see anything as a, let's say, true life or death situation. So in my understanding, everything already is eternal and immortal in some way, shape or form. And I would rather say that all those things you're describing in my view, are not really necessary to be immortal, but however, they're very much necessary to enjoy yourself. And then, of course, in my view is, you know, what is a life worth if you can't enjoy yourself? So I hope you see what I'm saying. May you want to expand on that, whether you really see it as a true life-death termination situation or how you would qualify that? Well, I think it's true that the continuity of memory we describe as successful death but we understand even the, not only do we know the sequence of visions you see during death, the clue form constants and why, but we actually know the infrasound audio sound you hear, the implosion sound you hear during death and why, and why this successful black hole making of successful de death is something electrical engineers can teach, uh, golden mean that info immortality. Uh, so from the point of view that continuity of memory is the value uh, you're right. I mean, people are welcome to waste this life, but those who choose continuity of memory and therefore immortality, uh, there are very specific critical things we should be doing. For example, I strongly believe our dream is we create this extended school. We started at fractalu.com and now flameandmind.com is going to be become in global with lots of things happening. We will have the most powerful technology ever to teach young people or anyone, how to make alpha in their meditation. 
And that's, of course, the moment you hear the Schumann and you, you hear your ancestors, you know. That's a turning point, whether it's addiction, remission, or bliss. It's the same physics. Start with alpha. <laughs> and so if you know how to make alpha in your brainwaves, you're on the road to implosion and suddenly you're becoming psychoactive. So flameandmind.com is expanding radically. Right now we're upgrading today, and uh, we're adding optical cues, audio cues, uh, much better alpha analysis. So we will be able to teach young people and anyone how to make the brainwave recipe for bliss which is the beginning of implosion and real shamanism, turning inside out ness, as it were. So that's an example of what I see as a critical mission. And that can be a turning point for a culture, something useful to be doing. I'm curious, um, and maybe we'll do a music break in a second, um, but I'm kind of curious. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done dimethyltryptamine, smoked or whatever, ayahuasca kind of psychedelic stuffs. Um, but an effect that's called, quote, blasting off is a very much a, an auditory kind of, I'm curious if you thought that had anything to do with um, black hole collapse inside oneself or whatever. Do you know, do you know what I'm kind of referencing? Have you ever Almost has to. Yeah, I mean, I was like, that seems like maybe what you're talking about, but I don't want to presume. Yes, you know, clearly there's a ringing in the ear, whether it's uh, Kundalini or Bliss or the ringing ear you have during successful death and successful birth, uh, that the implosion, if it's broad spectral, will of course have a phonon component. And I, I never did ayahuasca myself, a little bit of LSD once in experiment in graduate school psychophysiology. Uh, but that's like there a you nice, go, Dan. There you go, experiment. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and indeed, uh, you know, the first time that at the Santo Dime Church you go to the mushroom, and you think you're seeing through its interstellar mycenial spore fabric. But the next time you go, you realize it's seeing through you. And as we always say, the difference is who is more centripetal. <laughs> and, and so to get centripetal is still a turning point. Fascinating. Let's take a quick music break. Um, and when we come back, we can kind of dive deeper down the rabbit hole. I picked this song. Um, it's called Strange Design. Hopefully you enjoy it. Welcome back, Team Rebuttal Edition 203 with Dan Winter. I would say this is the real Jedi Academy right here. Right, I picked that song for a few reasons. I mean, we're dripping in this strange design. It seems like you've kind of grokked uh, some of the fundamentals of that design. Um, so I'm curious, Dan, if there's anything specifically on your mind you'd like to discuss, whether it's ET stuff, dietary habits, you were talking about live broccoli, um, sun salutations, anything that you feel inclined to talk about, <laughs> whatever. Well, I noticed that you included the concept of Jedi in the title. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, I kind of combined your flaming mind and then um, Jedi, uh, you know, thoughts yeah. with the Jed. Yes. And you know what the Egyptians called a Jed tower, we now know, was a golden ratio capacitively implosive uh, plasma projector. And uh, a Jedi Knight was the one who took that same kind of plasma and was able to project it, not just, of course, into the Jedi sword of Luke Skywalker, but also the projectivity of the aura. So it, like a shaman who learns in Castaneda's Tensegrity to pull their aura like a carrot from the earth and blow and project their aura, uh, that projectivity is the beginning of all, not just shamanism or lucid dreaming or what you need to do when you die. <laughs> so a Jedi is indeed what's needed here. Uh, and the clarity uh, reminds me of, there's recent published publications in the Biophysics Journal and Neurology Journals. Maybe 
the mind is an electric field around the brain. That's the latest, you know, headline news in neurophysics these days, which is a good thing because suddenly they're saying, oh, an implosive plasma toroid, which you make with your brain, can live after your death. That's a very good introduction to what does survive death. You know, all those pictures of, you know, an auto accident and they actually capture in the photograph the soul leaving the body after death, uh, those plasma domains that appear in the photograph, that always happens in nature and never happens in the city. <laughs> uh, it's because plasma domains like orbs can only live in a dielectric media <laughs> and so to become plasma projective we do need to return to nature and then you learn to be where the magnetic lines cross the only place you can do any you know cozy rev mirror or cathedral or labyrinth uh, or get any leverage on the grid is at the magnetic line cross points which is the dream spell so the business of becoming a Jedi is a very good metaphor for the science and physics of spirituality. That's what's up. And I know that you've talked, Raphael's talked about it, and you yourself have talked about um, Star Wars kind of being a, a synopsis version of an Orion situation um, through Lucas. Um, I'm curious as to what um, coming, I mean, it doesn't have to come completely away from models of science. Uh, in terms of practical daily living, um, are there a regiment of vitamins and minerals you suggest people can't go without? Do you think there's a way you were kind of talking about um, certain times of day being more advantageous to certain activities? Uh, and this might not be uh, general prescriptions in the sense that, you know, everybody's a little different. Every star is a little different. Um, but are there kind of uh, prescriptive behavioral modifications we can practically do in our day to day life that are going to lead more towards um, ascension, essentially? Well, Castaneda said it well, you know, every room you enter, you need to find your place of power. What he meant by that was the place where magnetic implosion is at least possible, where you can begin to steer the tornadoes. Uh, so learning where your aura needs to be in order to grow is absolutely life or death. That's true. Uh, every location, every property, every room has a place which you could call it sacred, but it's where the echo, you know, this, this Sufi who is the saint is the one who knows how to make an echo. But if you extend that from the audio to capacitively, you understand the beginning of all shamanism. And so that's one. Uh, another is uh, during intense bliss, uh, the water to uh, mineral bond is stressed. Uh, if you have a lightning-like kundalini experience, one of the first things that happens is demineralization and dehydration. If you have too much Therify.net, very rejuvenating, but too much plasma, too much bliss, the first symptom is dehydration. So uh, hydration plus grounding is the solution to the uh, destabilizing effect of intense bliss, kundalini, and you know the pursuit of spiritual. So we recommend the book Earthing. That's a very good thing to learn about the effect of grounding, because all grounding is access to, to fractality, whether it's a psychologist or an electrician. And that gives you a charge reference from which all spin can charge implode. So hydration, grounding, remineralization, it's interesting. Uh, even, uh, you know, they've shown such a high percentage of uh, COVID cases are those who are low in vitamin D. In my case, uh, I, I had a form of the COVID which took me down for almost a month, about, I don't know, seven, eight months ago. And um, 
uh, keys. In my case, I use scorsoplasma, therify.net. I could feel it killing the bug, but also vitamin D and artemisia, a uh, form of wormwood, very, very powerful. And of course, fresh squeeze orange juice and all that kind of stuff. So natural ways to build the immune system. You know, I'm not going on record as being uh, rabidly anti-vaccine or, you know, I think our medical people are doing their best. But when people take responsibility for their own health and start building their immune system dramatically with the right decisions, vitamin D, minerals, all the things necessary to keep your immune system high, uh, then the need for that which might decay your aura like vaccines is reduced. And uh, ultimately, uh, you know, then this is a flu from which we will recover. And it's an appropriate test. It's interesting because you were kind of saying you don't totally poo-poo vaccinations, um, but you're very critical, it seems, of certain kind of um, turns in science and uh, engineering and kind of perspectives uh, throughout human history to the degree that, like, oh, Tesla, I don't know exactly what you meant, but you're like, Tesla got that wrong, et cetera. Where do you think some of the fundamental flaws in our perception, in our perceptive frameworks are? I mean, are there certain things where it's like, oh, we think it's a square, it's a circle? Like, where would you kind of rectify certain things? Um, well, I was the uh, guest speaker at the International Conference on Breakthrough Energies in Amsterdam last year, in which I presented that. You can see that uh, PowerPoint and uh, video lectures at fractalfield.com slash vacuum energy, uh, vacuum energy. And uh, one of the slides there is called Einstein induced insanity. And um, the, the uh, symptoms of Einstein induced insanity briefly, uh, A, not having a clue why objects fall to the ground. Uh, in fact, perfected fractal charge compression, golden ratio recursive constructive heterodyne phase velocities, produces the acceleration of charge towards symmetry center, named the gravity. B, thinking the speed of light is a speed limit. That's Einstein-induced insanity. In fact, velocities faster than light are routinely measured, as in Raymond Chow, professor, and those measurements center rather accurately around 1.62 golden ratio times the speed of light, which in itself is proof of my phase conjugate cause of gravity. Uh, C, uh, thinking it takes infinite energy to go through the speed of light. This mistake reflects the ignorance of knowing how longitudinal waves accelerate through smoothly through light speed by golden ratio conjugation. Uh, D, thinking all action at a distance is spooky. This is a quote from Einstein. This mistake reflects ignorance of how superluminal longitudinal EMF waves, gravity waves, pass through anything but reconstruct inertia and heat containing transverse EMF when they cross in conjugation at a distance. The only physics of action at a distance and the Russian woodpecker and the solution to plasma containment and all fusion energy. Uh, e, not having a clue what, what the ether is made of is a compressible superfluid whose compression rarefaction is charged. F, incorrectly and weirdly believing space-time is somehow bent. Wrong. Instead of clearly understanding precisely what is bent by gravity, for example, which is compressible charge wave front trajectory. Last, not understanding that both mass and time are both created and defined simply by the inertia and period of charge rotation. So, for example, the change of clock speed in the presence of acceleration, sometimes called gravity, is simply a change in spin density and spin rate. Spin rate 
is the only definition of time. So this idea of time travel, for example, actually what has been measured in physics as time reversal is simply negentropy. You, you can go backwards in time toward order and never toward disorder. What are your thoughts on the Schumann resonance fluctuations that have been happening more recently? I think even last night it was dramatically increased. I'm not sure if I know the verifiability of the instruments or, you know, if it's a good informer or not. Um, but it seems that the constant quote of Schumann has been changing for a little while. What are your thoughts on that front? What are the implications? Well, I was the first one to prove why the Schumann major harmonics are what they are. They're exactly golden ratio exponents of Planck called origin of negentropy. So once you understand that, the evolution of Schumann resonance harmonics, which is the only original definition of alpha, theta, delta, beta in brainwave science, the same harmonics, is the evolution toward perfected implosion, obviously. So Greg Braden was dead wrong when he said the Schumann resonance is increasing in base frequency. Totally wrong. What is correct is the harmonic inclusiveness. So, for example, we had the major Jupiter-Saturn alignment. We had an increase in harmonic inclusiveness in the Schumann harmonic series. It lit up the Earth. And it's simple. When the Earth harmonics of Schumann increase in harmonic inclusiveness, which, by the way, is the only way to define immune health and heart rate variability, called fractality, uh, then the Earth is evolving. So what you do is you check the Schumann harmonic map. You can see all this at fractalfield.com slash conjugate perception, how the Schumann harmonics are simply golden ratio multiples of Planck. Uh, then the Schumann harmonics increase in spectral bandwidth and invite compression more non-destructively, and we emerge from the rapture. <laughs> I think uh, I remember like maybe, I don't know, sometime during this COVID situation, um, I was in Australia for three months and I got back to America and kind of <laughs> everything shut down. I was supposed to go to Vienna, hang out with Raphael, but you know how it goes. So um, I believe at some point there was a global meditation and it seemed to have a visible effect on the Schumann, um, Schumann as you're pronouncing it, maybe I'm mispronouncing it. Um, so what is going on there exactly? Are we influencing the dream? Like how powerful are we in terms of you know, it seems like you were saying, galactically speaking, we have some very uh, special fuzzy dice in our car that other things think are really rad. Um, is this an evidence of that kind of power that we might possess, even though we're bipedal kind of simple things in a in a band of the Milky Way? Well, uh, we have been sponsoring global meditations, which also use um, Therify Plasma in many countries synchronized, which is an example, a simple example of what was measured 11 different times, I believe, that the solar flare density decreased dramatically when a million children sang the same song at once. And we know the physics because, obviously, they made the centripetal force called negentropy that stars need to grow up. <laughs> and, uh, and so that centripetal force, when we synchronize our plasma around the planet. So we did that uh, for... Uh, solstice December 21 and we published afterwards and you can see this on our Facebook 20,000 it's fractal fields on Facebook uh, we published a Schumann harmonic uh, just after that and I'm not saying it was just our meditation lots of people did meditations on uh, December 21 but indeed there was a dramatic response and of course that was synchronized with this big Jupiter Saturn conjunction which is a gravity conjugation which then does uh, radically affect the longitudinal interferometry named gravity waves, the only physics of astrology, and that 
uh, forces the Earth to become more centripetal or die. <laughs> and so the Schumann harmonics respond. And it's a big bright spot. And you can see it there on our Facebook page. Uh, so yes, the Schumann harmonics do respond to this kind of thing. And it, if if we understand, I mean, Elizabeth Rauscher, we worked with for years, she had an earthquake prediction technology based on something related to this. And we now know more of the physics of that. that as the Earth grid tells us it's going to get centripetal, uh, that's the opposite of earthquakes. Um, it's funny because there are phenomenologically, you know, uh, I guess evi there's evidence to suggest that we're influencing quite a bit more than we uh, would uh, presume. Maybe because of inherited modernistic models, we think we're kind of a part, you know, a speck in a meaningless vacuum, like all these kind of nihilistic, existentialistic, um, the significant insignificance of humans. It seems that's like really not a good starting point. Uh, maybe uh, very disempowering. Maybe it's a good way to get a, a colony from Draco to go a certain way or Orion or whatever. I'm not really sure about the intergalactic political ramifications, but it seems like things um, are getting better and more ratchet in a, simultaneously. Um, what are? How do you feel about the? Uh, I mean, you don't have to get political necessarily, but how do you feel about the the world stage at present? Do you, do you have um, belief, sufficient evidence for this belief that things are improving? Like when I see the Schumann spikes, it sounds like maybe we're ascending, is dare I say. Well, you know, our video on the physics of ascension went viral. It's very good. Our, our YouTube channel, uh, fractalfield.com, you'll see the index. Um, and we taught very simply, as the DNA braids in response to the phonon coherence of human bliss, uh, it begins imploding. And as the axes of superposed charge rotation, the number of axes of superposed symmetry called number of dimensions increase uh, beyond three to the tetracubic. Uh, only the golden ratio allows further embedding the ratchet and dodeca, which is clearly the geometry of DNA. And that implosion then uh, propagates the longitudinal coherence. And that is the higher being body, Kajan, Bafram, Kai, etc. So the physics of ascension is clearly teachable, and that model is being accepted and it's very measurable in the EEG and the the phonon coherence triggering uh, DNA braid as we measured at heart math at my suggestion. Um, so, but, you know, when we tell people, well, grow up, you know, Kund uh, Bentoff, my teacher, was very clear, his kundalini, he, he could, his aura would get big enough and he could wiggle the earth and ask the earth to see through the eye of the sun. And a you know, beautiful story in Bentoff's cosmic comic book sequel to Stalking the Wild Pendulum, the biophysics of kundalini. But people aren't ready to believe or try that who haven't had a bliss experience. But that's why we start with something simple. Uh, take rainmaking. Our friend in uh, Brazil, uh, Valerie's partner, uh, Amar, called us, and, you know, Brazil is dying and the fires are taking over in our cities. It, they, it was life or death that week. And uh, we taught the children to make a a stone labyrinth and do the little bliss thing. And they had so much rain that they, they called us with almost within two days, desperately needing help to stop the rain. And we've had dozens of experience. Like, so once you start teaching the kids, the physics of rainmaking and any kid who's playing in the mud and happy can focus on a cloud and put a hole in the cloud. And then you teach that kid the physics called Christos, how they made the hole in the cloud with their mind, just simply centripetal force is what gives water vapor droplets permission to touch to crystal eyes. Uh, you know, so teach some rainmaking and then kids are on their way to learning that eventually their tornadoes are going to steer stars. And you can see all those stories and pictures, goldenmean.info slash rain.
I'm always fascinated how uh, almost like a Rolodex, your mind remembers very many uh, books, titles, <laughs> website domains. So uh, very good stuff. I'm curious, Raphael, is there anywhere you wanted to kind of go with this? Um, and by the way, Dan, good job on getting better from the COVID situation. And I'm doing great now. Thank you. Most definitely. Well, what I would just like to point out is, and thank you for the beautiful illustrations, it is probably true that those who haven't had such experiences through whatever means may have a hard time believing it. Those who have had them, in this case, me included, are just like, yeah, this is exactly what it is. And also reminds me of a friend who had visited some indigenous and telling the stories of how they were so easily able to conjure a brain and, uh, you know, connecting it with stories of the uh, Hawaiian shamans and so on. There's all these, you know, also popular books that talk about these stories but of course it's very beautiful and perfectly logical and thank you for explaining it the way you do and making this connection really conscious so we can see what it is and confirm it through all these different lenses simultaneously and then also in a sense apply it or optimize ourselves towards it in a let's say scientific fashion just as you said and i completely agree whatever we do if we have good instrumentations and it is uh, in uh, synchronization with also how we feel so we can verify it, then I'm always all for let's just check our auras and determine by that whether any decision is an appropriate decision. Yes, and, and maybe the, the fun story we've told way too many times about John D. announcing to Queen Elizabeth a year ahead of time, he was going to make the storm named the Tempest, which took out the Spanish Armada. And we know exactly how he did it. And if you study the meteorology of that storm out of the North Sea, you know, the Spanish sailors still living on the Irish coast today, uh, he, he used the seven hills of Prague, actually, in the physics of the Ophanum. And when uh, uh, Michael Sarian said, uh, you know, John D. called the bad guys, he called them the macrobes. They're simply interstellar plasma beings. And all of the scientists who run Plasma Universe today believe in angels because they know how intelligent big plasma domains are. So if we can't talk to the little plasma domains, our elementals, obviously they're going to still consider us drunk until we can steer our own tornadoes. And, you know, we need a little feedback. We should have tornadoes out of control. Uh, and, and so um, the ability to see the weak plasma domains called elementals, we now are proving uh, is this a byproduct, the same physics that allows the kids who see without their eyes so famously at flameandmind.com. And, uh, and once we teach the kids to see the elementals, suddenly they're recognizing living plasma as mindful and they can have empathy for them. Suddenly they can relate to larger plasma domains and the angelic forces as well. I'm kind of curious, Dan. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, part and parcel to Terrence McKenna's kind of culture is not your friend thing, um, programming, um, inheriting beliefs, structures, and presuppositions from others without verifiability of personal experience can be problematic. And uh, the South Node is in Sagittarius, the North Node is in Gemini. Right now, I think we should be expanding our playfulness and creativity and not getting dogmatic and self-righteous particularly. Um, are there any cultural, uh, I mean, it's well past Star Wars, that's kind of an older thing, even though they've been dropping newer movies. Um, are there any films, books that you find uh, kind of at least peripherally hit the nail on the head? Well, you know, I, so, uh, Vincent Bridges 
believed that I had fragment of the soul memory of John D. <laughs> and uh, John D. was communicating with Theophanum angels. And I'm very partial to those stories. You can read the whole, many films and documentaries, goldenme.info slash ophanim, O-P-H-A-N-I-M. So that's an example of a cultural artifact. You know, uh, Michael Sarian said, oh, you know, very large interstellar plasma beings are causing trouble here. Well, yes, but if we don't talk to them, uh, we will never learn to relate to them. And the symmetry alphabet that enabled him to do that, Ophanum and Okian, later became the movie Stargate. You know why? That's how the plasma domains implode. And, uh, and Rick Hassan, who produced the film, actually was my boss when we set up a guy in TV at Transcom. So... Uh, that's an example of a, uh, a cultural artifact, which, uh, in my view, is quite instructive, that we begin to relate to larger uh, plasma intelligences using the only language that actually exists, which is symmetry. I'm not the sure origin of those alphabets, uh, goldenmean.info slash DNA ring, where I wrote the equation for the golden mean spiral self-organizing on self-organizing toroidal domain and simply animated the shadows indexed by the seven errors of the tetra and proved that was Hebrew and Sanskrit. Which is kind of crazy. It makes one think we're kind of in some um, holographic Plato's cave or something uh, with that kind of um, math you're talking about. We're just kind of experiencing the shadows play out or whatever. Yes, it, it's called shadows on the wall of the cave, but that cave is actually the seven layers of the heart muscle, which are indexed by the same seven errors of the tetra. And you couldn't get a better squeeze. You know, the shadows of the phonon harmonics of the EKG is precisely the same spectrograms of the Hebrew alphabet, which after Carlos Suarez, I replicated, we pronounced the Hebrew alphabet, Gimel Dalet, into spectrum analyzer and produced the Hebrew letters optically, showing that the phonon content is the physics of the optical and all is only a symmetry of plasma domains, which is the only physics of creating the atomic table. I'm not sure how, um, I mean, I'm not going to push Disney. I love Disney. I'm a Disney kid, but there's newer movies like Pixar's Inside Out, uh, very Jungian, very Buddhist. Um, and one just dropped recently called Soul. I think you'd find that very intriguing just because um, if kids are watching these movies and being programmed by these cultural artifacts, um, it's expanding the vocabulary quite a bit more than, you know, the seven dwarves, uh, which I've also heard, I don't promote cocaine, but as I've heard, they correspond to the seven uh, stages of cocaine withdrawers that I got. So whatever we were programming back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, though it Kubrick and people like that pioneered and pushed, it seems uh, the artifacts now are potentially very powerful to um, kind of rewiring the consciousness of people who are imbibing them. That's kind of what I was asking. is like if there are any books or movies recently that you had scoped that you felt like were a uh, helpful in the you know gestation of the human mind in this thing called life well i can do a pretty good job describing the physics of wizard of oz but you know that tells oh. all, no but that, that that tells you how old i am you know the emerald forest is the uh, the angle at which green uh, enables the longitudinal and the lucid dreaming trigger etc but um more recently i would recommend comparing uh, like Deep Space Nine, which uh, uh, he learned from uh, Phyllis Schlemmer's school uh, for for the Star Wars, and which is the plasma physics of nine domains, which is how you nest the chakras, uh, goldenmean.info slash whale dreamers. You can see all the physics. It's literally Los Alamos discovered the physics of Deep Space Nine. And uh, so 
uh, I think today I would encourage people to compare, compare uh, the galactic history story that uh, the Star Wars sequence got from Phyllis Schlemmer with the more recent, very detailed Andromedan history of how the Andromedan, uh, it's called the United Federation of Planets, who recently kicked out the Pleiadians, um, of how they uh, at first were losing to the Draco and Reptilian Kingu uh, when the Anunnaki Draco Nephilim came to Earth originally, Enki's family, who were running from a female-dominated Pleiadian culture, why every origin religion on this planet started with fear of women. It's because of the Pleiadians. And I'm not saying they're, they're bad, but there's an agenda. And so today, you can study the real galactic history uh, of the Andromedans, for example, from Alex Callier, you, from, from Med at Mediator Medias at dot wordpress.com. And, and of course, um, Gosha, who has all the prejudices of its straight Pleiadian public relations uh, with all the agendas, including. But Gosha's channel, uh, Cosmic Agency at youtube.com, one of her good ones is the uh, uh, Andromedan history and the history of the galaxy. So you can study the real history of the galaxy updated recently by the Andromedans and compare it with what Star Wars taught. And you see the theme. I think that's a myth waiting to happen. Fascinating. That's something that I've had a guest on or two before because um, that is something that I'm very, uh, like I said, I'm a double Gemini, so I'm very curious. I'm like, can we get a curriculum that's cogent? <laughs> it feels like there's a lot, like you're saying, of agenda curriculums out there. So I'm always curious, I, I mean, am I missing, uh, maybe I misheard from somebody, but are you a part of a project right now trying to kind of codify that galactic history? Or am I tripping on that? Oh, no, that's exactly, I mean, I have been working for 20 years to codify the position of the humanoids in the galactic history. And all of my efforts in that regard are at fractalfield.com slash fusion in the blood. And you see, that's what we're saying. The metaphor is when you can create implosive bliss fusion in the blood, that's when you make the turning point in the Star Wars history, how we become the vaccine in the Orion Wars. <laughs> that's a, and, you know, even David Wilcox, who got a little confused here and there, but he got one thing right. It's called the Blue Sphere Beings. He didn't know that's the Andromedans. But, you know, this is a craft vieja, half the size of France, hiding on the other side of the moon. <laughs> you know, there's a story there, and it's fun. It's funny that you mentioned blue spheres because right before I had that Kundalini activation in the Hall of Mott with DMT, Egyptian deities or whatever, um, I looked to my right in my bedroom and there was like six or seven blue orbs. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And that's when I saw like, <laughs> you know, Egyptian deities. And I was kind of focused on that at that point. Um, Rafa, are there any kind of more questions or anything you'd like to delve into before we start running down? Well, basically, just because he's one of those who reference so much, is to to the degree that you're familiar with Lisa Royal, which was my let's say first exposure through Prism of Lyra to a somewhat coherent and not paranoid galactic history, which I very much enjoy, and I love that you also pointed out these differences in longitudinal waves and so on, grays, all of these differentiations. However, in particular, what's interesting to me, you mentioned that even the Pleiadians have a similar story in terms of let's say, genetic crises. We know this is the same story that the Greys are sharing, also referenced through Stargate, the Asgard. It's exactly the same storyline. They give their technology and basically what they would have wanted, they don't. They fail in Stargate, is the genetic material. Um, however, specifically, is there anything you would like to mention about, let's say, 
Bashar and the Sasani to the degree that you're aware of them, because also here this is a genetic story wherein which they are actually telling us from the future that in this case the hybridization succeeded between the grey and uh, current human species. Anything you'd like to comment on that? Uh, I haven't studied Bashar enough. Uh, but I, I perceive very good work being done there, even attempts at science and spirituality. Uh, I want to thank Lisa Royale and Ron Holt for hosting me so many times there in Phoenix when Flower of Life was sponsoring my first international world tours. Um, so yes, the Prism of Lyra fits perfectly with the Andromedan version of the invasion of uh, Lyra and the early humanoid diaspora. So those history stories do fit. And yes, uh, the issue is a genetic decay. I will mention two things. The Andromedans are very clear that seven to 900 years from now, the Pleiadians experience almost complete uh, bloodline genetic breakdown, specifically Andromedans oversimplify and they say inbreeding. But the female-dominated female culture of the Pleiades have created over 75% females uh, and disempowered males and all kinds of troubles and lack of genetic diversity. So yes, they fell into a trap, uh, much still much more advanced but uh, than the greys who were mostly uh, now uh, mechanized and, and paid by, by the Dracos and the Kingu. But uh, clearly the greys from Reticulum, uh, their genetic disaster, disaster help happened millennia ago, again at the hands of the Draco, who are master genetic engineers, actually. And the high Dracos, remember, the Alpha Draco now have actually accepted the United Federation of Planets rules about respecting indigenous humans, as the Pleiadians have not. And uh, so we have an ally, actually, in the high Dracos, and it's related to the concept of Siakar, Mothman, uh, Archon. And uh, so our context does, again, point to our ability to achieve uh, genetic viability based on diversity and bliss and basically how to charge DNA. That's the science we must learn. Well, it seems like the efforts you're uh, doing are helping us kind of grok what the fuck to do on that front. So thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask, I'm not sure if this will resonate or not, but I've read it before on the podcast um, and I was going to read kind of an excerpt um, from a book about Mayan astrology, actually. It's called The Galactic Light, Language of Light. If you guys didn't mind, if you had any comments after that, that'd be cool. And otherwise, we can kind of plug any of your stuff, uh, discuss anything you want, and you can kind of get in your horse and saddle out of town if you'd like. Um, are you cool with that? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Right on. All right, I'll try to make it quick. It's called The Mythic Call, and this resonates on a lot of levels. Uh, if you think it's a psyop, let me know. If you think it's resonant, let me know. Uh, the Mythic Call, an invitation to transformation. Once upon a time, a galactic council was called, and a mythic call was sent out to countless light beings, the children of the sun, the angelic winged ones, the sun runners, the rainbow warriors, and other luminous beings from many star systems. This great circle of light beings gathered from far and wide. At the appointed nexus, the love of the spinning galaxies entered, gracing them all with ravening celestial light and the following words, quote, you are being invited to incarnate upon a world where a great transformation is taking place, began the love of the spinning galaxies. You who respond and embody this call will go to a place where the illusions of fear and separation are being played out, and a galactic cycle of evolution is coming both to an end and a new beginning. I am calling those with the needed talents and gifts to act as my emissaries there, 
to lift and transform the frequencies of planet Earth simply by embodying and anchoring love's presence there. You will, by your very presence, transmute into love the vibration of fear that now blankets consciousness there. In this myth, you will play yourselves, holy innocents, divine children, creators of this new reality of the golden octave. The love of the spinning galaxies continued. On other journeys, each of you has proven to be a, quote, feeling navigator, able to awaken your consciousness and align your heart to the promptings of pure love and compassionate service. As sun runners and torchbearers, you have already demonstrated that you hold the light eye. And so, I invite you to incarnate en masse among the tribes of Earth and assist Gaia and all her children in their initiation of the transmutation of matter. This transformation coming to Earth is very rare and precious, even among the many miracles of the cosmos. The magnificence of your loving presence will greatly assist the Earth in utilizing the alchemical frequencies of transformation that will open up new dimensional realities. You are diviners of harmony who transform simply through your, vib vib your vibrational presence. It is part of the plan that you will be veiled in forgetting so that you will experience directly what this level of fear and separation feels like, such that you can transform it from the inside out. The mystery of the spinning galaxies went on. However, as you remember the feeling of the sacred garden of childlike innocence and trust, you will become the harmonic leavening in this cycle of initiation for Earth. You will incarnate strategically, often in some of the most vibrationally dense areas on the planet. You, you who embrace this mythic call, walking into this illusion, may forget the splendor of who you are as light beings, experienced in the overwhelming density of Earth. To some, this illusion of separation from love may create feelings of hopelessness, lack of support, and vibrational alienation. The very gifts which you are being called to, oh, the very gifts which are being called forth to assist Gaia may be seen as a cause for resistance, fear, and projection by that which is being transformed. Yet it will be your love that will transform the depths of duality and your frequencies of light that will quicken the many. Your participation on this mythic quest is purely voluntary. However, this transformational shift on Earth is very rare and precious. The Earth is spinning into a powerful nexus of evolution. You are being invited to incarnate as a single global family on Earth. Should you choose to accept this mission, you will have the opportunity to catalyze and synthesize all that you have been during many incarnations, receiving a rarely offered quantum leap in consciousness. It is up to you as myth-makers to choose how you will dance with Terra Gaia and her children as she completes her ceremony of light, so spoke the light of the spinning galaxies. And so it was the, that the luminous beings who formed the countless alliances, federations, and councils of the faithful of the stars chose to incarnate on planet Earth to assist in this crucial event the awakening of consciousness from the dream of matter, form, and separation. As warned, many luminous beings have indeed forgotten who they are and why they came to Earth, but there, ha but there was even a fail-safe process built into the plan to awaken these beings from the veil of forgetfulness that is so rife upon Earth. The luminous ones who would journey to Gaia's assistance agreed to spark each other's remembrance that the mythic grandeur of the cosmic play of light in the greater hologram would be played out victoriously. Thus, these star-seated ones were encoded in many ways, with sounds, colors, lights, images, words, and symbols, a vibrational resonance that would assist them in remembering their commitment to the light. The celestial sounds of the crystal singers would catalyze deep remembrance of their star coatings. It was agreed that these coded clues would appear everywhere in visionary art, music, in penetrating looks, in speech, and feelings, all creating a deep yearning to awaken and become the embodiment of love. These symbols would act as an alarm clock going off, assisting them in awakening and staying in their joy. These companions of destiny were encoded in the very cells of their bodies with the new galactic template in consciousness, awakening them to the power of their simple presence and love. 
so it is that you, the children of the sun, are now being bathed in the waters of remembrance, prepared as rainbow warriors to fulfill the promise of the new and ancient myth unfolding. You embody the key to igniting unity consciousness on earth, ushering Gaia and her children into the radiant robes of light. Know that the magic you were born with is indeed real. The feast of the light players is coming together to celebrate as one heart. By simply anchoring love's presence on earth, you lovingly draw down the mantle of the gods, sending waves of healing and uplifting energy throughout Gaia's eagerly receptive body. As you emerge in this time, your gifts awaken and empower others, utilizing the tools of laughter, song, dance, humor, joy, trust, and love. You are creating the powerful surge of transformation that will transmute the limitations of the old myth of duality and separation, birthing the miracle of unity consciousness on earth. The time is now, luminous children of the sun. Incomprehensible is the joy of creation as you feel called to gather together in ever-widening circles of the great heart mandala of light, which will one day ignite a critical mass triggering a power surge which will transmute matter into a higher octave of being. You are called into wakefulness, sun-eyed children of the marvelous dawn. Ancient skywalkers, rise up. Utilize your gifts on behalf of Gaia. In a supernova of consciousness, Gaia and her children will ascend in robes of light, forming a luminous light body of love to, reborn among the, to be reborn among the stars. The mythic call has been sounded. The mythic quest begun. Awaken, rainbow warriors, sun runners, and luminous beings from the galactic alliances, federations, and councils of the stars. Ancient skywalkers, stand in the beauty and power of your true identity as love's gift to Gaia. Set aside self-doubt. You are a divine child of the sun. Go where your heart draws you to share your great gifts. Surrender to the magic that you are as love, and the miracle will be manifested here on Earth. Return to the garden. Return to the sun. Return to the innocence. Return to the one. Remember, we dance and sing here for, for the one heart. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that concept, but I figured it was a good way to kind of end this shindig. Well, I find that beautiful and perfect. And maybe I'm inspired to just do a, a two-minute uh, melody about what science has learned about love, if I may. Oh, the conch is yours. <laughs> uh, well, just to say that, you know, I became a little bit famous for inventing the word heart coherence, and which is now our technology, realheartcoherence.com. And you can tell when you love someone because the heart harmonics respond with coherence and it's actually a lie detector you can tell with when your lover says i love you you can use a lie detector a real heart coherence.com which is basically the heart's plasma toroid turning inside out recursively and imploding and that power spectra indicates the presence of love which is literally embeddability which we all knew and but how does that teach us the old adage you can ultimately only fall in love with pure intent. For example, can you fall in love with a metal building? Mostly not because its electric field is not embeddable. So when you say you're looking for pure intention, looking for a heart of gold and growing old, as it were, uh, what you're actually saying is you're looking for pure embeddability, the old alchemic pure gold of the heart of gold. So it means that you're looking for some, something in which you can embed into and gain centripetal force. And when you, when you say that ultimately you, you scan the room, is there pure intention in this room? That's where I will fall in love. And now we know that pure intention is measurable. It is hard coherence. Hearts cannot be coherent uh, if there is not pure intention. For example, that's how you know not to buy a used car if the salesman has shifty eyes because uh, psychotic change of attention direction 
uh, is the opposite of heart coherence. So you can only stay He's in not the in love with the car. <laughs> <laughs> you can only stay in the still point, literally, if the waves there are converging, called the perfectly shareable wave, which is pure embeddability. And everyone is seeking that in who to fall in love with. And so pure embeddability is the physics love. And if you want to draw that in physics, it's a valentine. And the animation in 3D, goldenmean.info slash grail. Lovely little melody. Um, you've given us quite a bit of uh, links to check out. Um, I guess, is there anything you want to say in terms of projects you're doing? Um, anything you want to say like that? I think you briefly touched upon them, but where is your love of life guiding you? Where's that kind of corner in the room for you right now? Well, all of our index are nicely updated at fractalfield.com, including the project index. The, the ones close to my heart right now, of course, would be the flameinmind.com, which we're upgrading for kids and the the global school and magical at, at technology wives. Yes, we we will be building the carbon nano propulsion technologies, which will make Airbus obsolete tomorrow. And, and that's good. Uh, and energy wise. Uh, so, uh, yes, and we uh, we believe that we will have holographic technologies. For example, we can mail you a hologram, which uh, the FDA supposedly has tested, uh, eliminates the, the COVID. You know, it, it's a hologram. It's an extension of electronic homeopathy. So there, there are many technologies there. And then check in with us uh, at implosiongroup.com, our technology review. And we have an almost daily update in our uh, Facebook, uh, Fractal Field Facebook account. Again, fractalfield.com lists our Facebook. Right on. Well, Daniel Winter, thank you so much for coming on, giving us your time. I hope you enjoy the South of France. Um, and I do hope that you know you keep pushing the envelope on our way of modeling reality. Um, sounds like a whole lot of information's gone through your noggin. So I'm appreciative of both your um, collecting of data uh, you know, scavenging through the cosmos, looking for the right things to think about, as well as your ability to articulate those things. So thanks for all the work you do, and I hope you uh, have a good evening. I enjoyed. Blessings, really. Stay in touch. Thank you. Blessings to the world. Thank you. All right, guys. Team Rabbit Hole, further up and further in. We out here. Let's do this shit. Bye-bye. Thank you very, very much. And uh, after all... The, these explanations and descriptions on bliss, it shall be clear why the very last word I usually say on these shows is enjoy. Radio